السلام عليكم ورحمة الله In our last class of seerah through the tafsir to the explanation of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we're looking at surah al-layl surah al-layl and we said this surah surah al-layl was set down in the context of what happened and what always happened the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which is that continuous battle or the continuous struggle between al-haq wal-batil between truth and falsehood that constant struggle or battle between Iman and Kufr, between faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and disbelief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That constant battle between Tawheed, monotheism, oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Shirk, associating partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And these battles or these struggles between Iman and Kufr, they're not abstract battles. There are people that fight these battles. So if there's a struggle between Iman and Kufr, there are those who are upon the side of Iman, and these are who? The believer, a mu'minun. They fight for an Iman, in the path of an Iman. So when we say a struggle between Iman and Kufr, it means a struggle or battle between the people of Iman and the people of what? Kufr, disbelief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we say a struggle or battle between Tawheed and Shirk, it means a battle between the people of Tawheed, the Muwahidun, and the people of Shirk, the Mushrikun. So these are not abstract battles. These are proper, proper battles that happen between these two sets of people. So therefore, there are people that will strive in the path of Iman, the believers. People that will strive in the path of Kufr. And people that will strive in the path of Tawheed. And others that will strive in the path of what? Shirk, associated partners of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is very important for us to understand this because this surah, this surah, this chapter was sent down in the context of this, of this battle. Because the mudur of the surah, as we mentioned last week, or the dirs, or the durus, the lesson of surah, are three. So the first lesson of this surah was what? Ya Aba Amitillah. What was the first lesson of the surah? The first mudur, the first topic of the surah. What was the first topic of the surah? Because I know you were taking notes last week, mashallah. Anyway, we said every single chapter in the Quran, when you do the tafsir, there's a mudur, there's a topic or topics of the surah. So we said this surah had three mudur, had three topics. The first topic of the surah, from ayah number one all the way to ayah number four, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala aqsama, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swears by the greatest and the most apparent of his creations. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا يَغْشَى Allah ta'ala swears by the night as it covers. وَالنَّهَارِ إِذَا تَجَلَّى Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he swears by the daytime as it appears with brightness. وَمَا خَلَقَ الذَّكَرَ وَالْأُنْثَى And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swears by the creation of the male and the female, or the one that created the male and the female. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swears by these things they are proof of what? the ilm, the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the hikmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the qudrah, the ability and the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and anytime Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swears by something you have a qasam you have a what? jawab al-qasam, the purpose of the swearing and what was the purpose of the swearing? inna sa'iyakum lashatta that your efforts, your striving, your toiling, they're so contrasting and they're so diverse and so parallel. 
So the first mudu' of the surah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swears by all these things to say to us that you're striving, they contrast and they parallel. This is the first mudu' of the surah. And during this mudu', when we look at this mudu' of the surah, we say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he swears by these things that approve of his wisdom, his knowledge. That your contract, your efforts, they contrast, they parallel. Why? To a knowledge only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. For hikmah, which only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. And only with the qudrah, the ability of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we also said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after mentioning that your efforts are so parallel, that this ayah came after these oaths to show the balagha. What's the balagha? The eloquence of the Qur'an. How does this show the eloquence of the Qur'an? Ya Aba Amatillah, again. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that your efforts are opposites or they parallel after swearing by these things which are all what? Opposites of one another. Allah ta'ala swears by the night and then Allah ta'ala swears by the day. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swears by what after that? وَمَا خَلَقَ الذَّكَرَ وَالْأُنْثَ The male and the female. That the same way these things are contrast. They're opposites. They're parallel. Likewise, your actions and your deeds, they're parallel. What was the second mudu' of the surah? The second topic of the surah? The second topic of the surah is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us an example of how this striving and this toiling, they're different. The efforts that people make. He gave an example from ayah number five all the way to which ayah? 11. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave an example saying, فَأَمَّا مَنْ أَعْطَى وَاتَّقَى وَصَدَّقَ بِالْحُسْنَى فَسَنُيَسِّرُهُ as for the one, this example, how people striving and toiling, they're parallel. They're those that they give, they fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They believe in the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We'll ease him towards ease. And the opposite of those, those who move in a parallel fashion. Miserly withhold anything is self-sufficient. بِالْحُسْنَى And denies the reward of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَسَنُيَسِّرُهُ لِلْعُسْرَى We'll ease him towards difficulty. So Allah ta'ala gave this example. And one thing we forgot to emphasize upon last week is why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give this example? Because there's many examples of how people are parallel. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave this example. Why? Allah ta'ala says, as for the one who gives. Because one of the best examples to show how people are parallel in behavior and action and deeds is sadaqah, charity. And that's why in many ayat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentions charity along with iman. Mentions charity along with what? Iman bil yawmil akhir. Belief in the last day. For example, Surah Al-Baqarah, the opener of the Quran. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the believers and gives the attributes of the believers, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say about the believers in Surah Al-Baqarah in the beginning? The first or the second surah in the Quran. What does Allah ta'ala say about the believers? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, they are the people, yu'minumuna bil ghayb. They believe in the unseen. Wa yuqimuna salah. They establish the salah. Until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, wa mimma razaqnahum. And from that which we give them, yunfiqoon. They give in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because this deen, its establishment could not be done except with what? The generosity of the mufiqeen, those spending the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
And that's why if you look at the da'wah of the Prophet and the spread of Islam, it was done so with what? The wealth of people like Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. And likewise, the companions of the Prophet such as Abu Bakr, who we said was sabab al-nuzul, is the reason Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he revealed this ayah. That فَأَمَّا مَنْ أَعْطَ وَالتَّقَى That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from above the seven heavens revealed the ayah for one person. His generosity must be amazing. Amazing generosity. Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that we know encourage generosity. Because the spreading of the deen it lies upon what? Generosity. Because when we give zakah for example one of the people we give the zakah to is who? Mu'allafa. The people who want to gain their heart towards Islam. For example, somebody is a leader of his people, a tribal leader, a chief, a sheikh of his people, a president of his people. It is permissible to give him the zakah to draw him to Islam. Because through drawing him to Islam, you draw his what to people to Islam, his people towards Islam. Like in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, to show the atta, that the Prophet ﷺ, definitely the best of those, فَأَمَّا مَنْ أَعْطَى is generosity. That one of the tribal leaders, the Prophet ﷺ, when he was distributing the zakah and they were distributing livestock, and he said, and he looked at the livestock, so many livestock, he said, which one is for me? The Prophet ﷺ said, everything between these two mountains is yours. He went back to his people, he said, Ya qawmi aslimu, my people, all of you become Muslims. For inna Muhammad, for Muhammad وسلم, he gives man la yakhsha al faqa the giving of person that doesn't even fear poverty. All of you become Muslims. And they're saying the Prophet said about him, Ma su'ila shaykhat, he was never asked for anything, faqala la, and he said no, never. And the Prophet when the people used to come to him, even if he doesn't have, and everything finishes, he used to say to them, لو كان عندنا أموال ومال بحرين If we had all the wealth of Bahrain, لَعَطَيْنَاكَ هَكَذَ وَهَكَذَ We'll give all of it to you like this. And those who follow him likewise, and the top of them, Abu Bakr Siddiq, the generosity was amazing. Umar radiallahu an, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered us, وَفِي ذَلِكَ فَلْيَتَنَافَسِ الْمُتَنَافِسُونَ And in this, those who compete should compete. He should try his best to compete with Abu Bakr radiallahu an. And on a particular day, Umar did something extraordinary. When people were given infaq fi sabilillah to support the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Umar radiallahu an, he gave half of his wealth. Some of us find it difficult to even pay the zakah, which is 2.5% of your wealth. And the Sahaba were speaking about it. they were rich. For me, maybe the zakah, 2.5% of a thousand pounds, not much. When you're in the millions and the wealth, it's difficult sometimes. But he gave half of his wealth. Imagine that half of everything you have, is Allah. And then the Prophet asked Abu Bakr, what have you given? Abu Bakr radiallahu an, he said, I've given everything. And then the Prophet said, what have you left for your family? He said, I've left Allah and his Rasul for my family. That's all. Everything, everything. Because this is what spreads the deen of Allah. Because we're talking about battles between truth and falsehood. And if you want to spread the truth, you have to spend in the path of the truth. You have to spend in his path. And even not only to bring people to Islam, to repel kufr and people falling into kufr, you have to spend. And that's how the ulama, they say the zakah should not only be given to a person who's a leader of his people, but to a new Muslim to further strengthen his heart upon Islam. Because one of the people who gives zakah to his who, a person who has enough to eat, enough to drink. So if we could give zakah to support his physical needs, food and drink, 
that will give nourishment to his body? Should we not give zakah to support his spiritual need, his iman, that will give life to his heart? Definitely. Definitely so. And this generosity, you find it amongst the companions of the Prophet likewise. Many, 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 many different examples. From the examples I could think of right now, it's example Abu Darda radiallahu Abu Darda, once an author came to the Prophet and he was building a sword, a wall around his garden, or what you may call a greenhouse. It's bigger than a garden. You have plantation, dates, and so on and so forth. And whilst building the wall, to make the wall straight, there was a palm tree in his way that belonged to his neighbor. So he said to the neighbor, just allow me to build so this palm tree will encroach into my territory so the wall will be straight. The neighbor said no. He said no. So he went to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam offered the neighbor, said, I'll buy the palm tree. So here is an offer from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the neighbor was a Muslim. He said no. And he said no to who? To the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. To show that in the deen of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala, a person, he's free according to his right. This is the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But he's allowed to say what? No. He said no. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when the man said no, he said, Tayyib. If you allow him to take just that one palm tree, date palm, you have a date tree or date of palm tree of days in Jannah. The neighbor said, no. The Sahaba, they couldn't believe this offer. A palm tree in Jannah? Abu Darda, turned to his, it's Bustani. Do you know my garden? The man said, man fit Medina la ya'arif bustan. Who is in Medina that doesn't know your garden or your greenhouse? Every trader of Medina, they want to have the greenhouse or the garden Abu Darda. He said, fi bustan Abu Darda. He said, I know in your garden, sitta mi'a nakhla. You have 600 day palms. Wa bi'run. And a well which flows constantly. A beautiful wall. Wa qasr. And a palace in your, garden, in your plantation. A mansion. He said, you know it. He says, I know it. He said to the Prophet allow me to buy this tree for me. So he turned to the man. He said, I'm going to buy this tree and I'm going to give it to that orphan. For the price of my well, 600 uh, palm trees or date palm trees, my house, the wood, basically everything. Would you accept? The man said, yes. Abu Darda radiallahu he turned to the Prophet after making this deal. Because sometimes you make a deal in emotion and excitement. He turned to the Prophet in excitement. And you know what he asked the Prophet He said, Do I have a tree in Jannah now? The Prophet said, Yes, you do. He was happy and went home. Now he has to go home and break the news to who? Ummu Darda. So he went home and he said to Ummu Darda, I have sold our castle, our mansion. I've sold the trees. I've sold the well. I've sold, the, I've sold everything. Ummu Darda tahallalat. She said, La ilaha illallah. Because she knows the business acumen of what? Abu Darda. A good businessman. She was happy. So he said, if you don't mind, what did you sell it for? He said, I sold it for a tree that would take a fast rider a hundred years to come out of his shade. A tree in Jannah. Umm Darda, she said, La ilaha illallah, Rabbi Halbayr. What a profitable trade you've made, subhanAllah. What a profitable trade you've made. Look at the Iman of the Sahabiyyat. فَأَمَّا مَنْ أَعْطَى Whoever gives what taqwa. And taqwa, Ra'sul Amr, is the head of the affairs. 
the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make his affairs easy. And another side we mentioned is the one who is miserly and withholds and he thinks himself self-sufficient. And then we mention Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This mudu' is still what the mudu' This is the second mudu' This is the second al-mudu' And what was the third mudu' The third topic we mentioned is it comprises of how many questions? Four questions. Four. We said the third mudu' because the second is connected, it branches of the first. The second topic branches of the first. Because if your efforts, which is the first topic, I diverse. Allah Ta'ala in the second topic gives an example of that how they diverse. And the third topic branches off the second and the first by asking four questions that may come to mind. The first of those questions is, if the life of this world is a test, because the life of this world is a test, it's a proof you have free will, it's a test from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. If the life of this world is a test, what is upon us to do? How do we know what we have to do to pass this test? We said that's the first question in the third topic. And we said the answer comes in the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the next ayah which is what? Is Shaykhana? Inna alayna lalhuda. Upon us is al-huda. And we mentioned that al-huda here, it means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it incumbent upon himself, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to make clear what is al-huda. What is guidance? Jayid, Allah Ta'ala made that incumbent upon himself. So people have no excuse after the coming of the Messenger of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. As Allah Ta'ala told the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, inna kama ila nuhin min ba'di. We've revealed to you, giving you wahi revelation, the same we gave Nuh and those who came after him. Why? Allah Ta'ala said, Rusulan mubashireen wa mundireen li alla yakuna linnasi ala Allahi hujjah. Allah Ta'ala said we sent these messages as what? Mubashireen, give us the glad tidings. Wamundireen, and warn us. Why? So people have no excuse after the coming of the messengers. So the huda, which is mentioned here, is which type of huda? La. Which type of huda? Barakallah the guidance of clarity. Because the huda is too tight. There's huda al-rashad dilala The huda of clarity and explanation, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives everybody. And there's huda of tawfiq wal ilham. The huda of guidance. Allah causes you to follow the truth. And this is only in the hands of who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here Allah ta'ala here, inna alayna lal huda. Upon us is al huda. And this huda from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when we say guidance, Ibn Usaymin rahimahullah ta'ala, he said this guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is guidance in everything they need. In aqeedah, in creed, what we do, we believe as Muslims. And many of us, and nearly all Muslims, they accept this. Allah Ta'ala has guided us to correct beliefs. But they think it stops there, khalas. It's just all ibadah, mental gymnastics, theoretics, la. Likewise in ibadah, acts of worship. How we should worship Allah Azza wa Likewise, in akhlaq, in behavior, morals, and etiquettes, and every single thing we need when it comes to dealing with all things. Everything. To the point that Abu Darda radiallahu anhu, he said, لَقَدْ تُوُفِّيَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ The Prophet has passed away. وَمَا مِن طَائِرٍ فِي السَّمَاءِ يَطِيرُ بِجَنَاحِينَ There is not a single bird that flaps his wing 
in the skies. Except he's given us knowledge concerning it. To that extent, the Prophet said, I've left you upon clear guidance. So this huda is everything. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Upon Allah ta'ala, upon us is al-huda. Upon us is what? Al-huda. And here Allah ta'ala says, us. And many people, especially those who English is their native language, always have an issue with this. Inna anzalnahu fi laylat qadr. Where Allah ta'ala speaks in the plural. And when Allah ta'ala speaks in the plural, some of the ulama, they say, this is Allah azza wa jal, and who? The angels of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Oh, just Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Because in the Arabic language, you could address yourself or be addressed in the plural. This doesn't exist maybe in English, but it exists in other languages. For example, me and Abu Hanifa, is Abu Hanifa, I'm Abu Hanifa. I'm not sure how old he is, and he's not sure how old I am. From our culture in Nigeria, when you speak to somebody you're not sure of their age, you always address them in the plural. It sounds weird in English. You know, I could never say to him, for example, uh, in Nigerian, like, for example, uh, how do you say it again? Where are you going? I have to say to him, where are all of you going? Everything I say to him is plural. Because he he's not sure. Is he older? Am I older? But I think he looks younger, mashallah ta'ala. You know? Likewise, with our parents and older people, we never address them ever in the singular term. Luqman is here, mashallah, Abu Abdullah is married, he's an old. He never, since I've known him, addressed me in the singular. He always addresses me in plural. And the Arabs have this as well. They never say to old what's your issues? You never address an older person in singular. In English, you don't have that. But in Arabic, you do. And in Yoruba, you do. And in other languages, maybe Urdu as well, you have these kind of you know, wording or where you say things to people that shows respect. So, alayna means Allah Azza wa Jal, but respect upon us is al-huda. Now, what is the second question in the third mudu? What's the second question? Shaykhana, what's the second question? Barakallah that this test, we answer that about to pass the test. It's upon Allah as we just show the huda. But what's the second question? Barakallah close. Basically, if we believe there is a test, what or what will increase us in iman in faith? Because when is the day of the test? Yom Qiyamah. What is the thing that increases us in assurity and belief in this test? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِنَّ لَنَا لَلْآخِرَةِ Verily, to us belongs the what? الْآخِرَةِ وَالْأُولَى Hereafter, it is going to come. And it belongs to who? Allah azza wa jal. The same way, وَالْأُولَى The life of this world belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anyway, in this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentions الْآخِرَةِ Hereafter, and then He mentions what? The life of this world. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts the hereafter before the life of this world, the fa'idatain, for two benefits. The first one, fa'id al-ula ma'nawiyya, is a metaphorical spiritual benefit. And that metaphorical spiritual benefit, as Ibn Uthaymeen rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, فَلِأَنَّ الْآخِرَةَ أَهَمُّ مِنَ الدُّنْيَا Because the akhirah is more important than what? The dunya. So Allah ta'ala mentions it first. وَلِأَنَّ الْآخِرَةَ يَظْهَرْ فِيهَا مُلْكُ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ 
And because in the Akhirah, the mulk, the kingdom of Allah Ta'ala is more apparent. Because in this dunya, you have people that are kings, they're presidents, they're travel trees. But in the Akhirah, the mulk is only for who? Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So first and foremost, because the Akhirah is more important. That's why when we say life and death is a test, Allah mentions death first. Allah Ta'ala says, He created death and life. And subhanAllah, I was reading a book or listening to a book the other day which Abu Amatillah suggested to me called The Seven Habits of Successful People. And he said, if you truly want to be successful in life, always begin with the end goal. Begin with the end and work backwards. And likewise, when it comes to designing curriculum for education, you begin with the end and then based on that end, you start to make your aims and objectives where you do so you don't ever lose the path. So in this book, and you can relate this to Islam, subhanAllah. I say you begin with the end. We know our end is, inshaAllah ta'ala, is Jannah. So he said, begin with the end. So Allah ta'ala, begin was more important than the end. So this man, he said in this book, in this audio book, he said, look, I want you to go into a room by yourself and imagine this. Put away everything. Pay full attention to it. Just read this by yourself. That you're going to a funeral parlor or funeral and you're driving to this funeral. And you get to this funeral, you see the sadnesses on the face of the people, the crying, the sense of loss, the sense of miss, you know. And imagine that scene, the emotion that will stir up in you. Now, when you enter the funeral parlor, you decide to go to the casket of the deceased. And when you look inside that casket of the deceased, the deceased is actually you. What will go to your mind at that moment? What do you want people to think about you, to say about you? Because that's it. So your goal, if that's the goal, the end, he affects everything else because the akhirah is more important always begin with the end always begin with the what the end so allah ta'ala begins with that which is more important because the akhirah is more important and that's why yawm al-qiyamah to show us that the life of this world is nothing that's what allah ta'ala said wa hayatu dunya illa la'ibun wa lahu the life of this world is nothing but play and vanity then allah ta'ala says wa inna dar al-akhirah as for the hereafter, that's the true life. And that's why Yawm Al-Qiyamah, man will say to Allah Azza wa Jal, Ya Laytani, woe unto me, Qaddamtu li hayati. I wish I put something forth for my life. Forth for my life. Not the life of the dunya, because that's not life. It's the life of what? The akhirah. So the first fa'idah, لِأَنَّ الْآخِرَةَ أَهَمْ مِنَ الدُّنْيَا The second reason is a fa'idah to thaniya is for, and this I want to test the brother's English here, mashaAllah. Is for lovdiya, a love is an utterance, pronunciation, wording. What's another synonym of a utterance? For example, you know in English, we make, a, you know nursery rhymes or poetry, there's a rhyme. What do you call this when it rhymes with each other again? What's another word? Just rhyming. Or suitable, I don't know how to put it in English. Rhythm. Rhythm or matching. I don't know how to put it. But anyway, lovdiya means, so the utterances or the wordings will match in terms of rhythm. In terms of rhythm. So if we look at the older ayah, how does every single ayah end? So now Allah Ta'ala mentions but if you mention ula, but Allah Ta'ala says, 
So every single ayah ended with alif. Alif, subhanallah. So it will not have match like that. If you read the ayah, every ayah, 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 ayah. وَالذَّكَرَ وَالْأُنْثَى إِنَّ سَعِيَكُمْ لَشَتَّى فَأَمَّا مَنْ أَعْطَى وَاتَّقَى وَصَدَّقَ بِالْحُسْنَى فَسَنُيَسِّرُهُ لِلْيُسْرَى So every ayah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala therefore mentions وَإِنَّ لَنَا لَلْآخِرَةَ وَالْأُولَى So they said لِفَائِدَةَ اللَّفْضِيَّةَ Subhanallah. The Quran, the signs of it, absolutely amazing. Fa'idatul lafdiyya. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also mentions, وَإِنَّ عَلَيْنَا الْهُدَى وَإِنَّ لَنَا لَلْآخِرَ وَالْأُولَى He said, a person may ask, what's the difference between عَلَيْنَا وَلَنَا? عَلَيْنَا وَلَنَا عَلَيْنَا means, it's upon us. And لَنَا means, it solely belongs to us. So the affairs of the Akhir and Dunya only belongs to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what Bayan is upon him to give you this Al-Bayan. And then after this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is the, what's the third question now in the third topic or the third topic? Of the, what's the third question? If there is an Akhirah, what is going to be the recompense of those who disbelieve in the Akhirah and those who's struggling and striving was not in the path of Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, فَأَنذَرْتُكُمْ نَارًا تَلَضَّى I warn you of a fire. نَارُ الْآخِرَةَ تَلَضَّى تَشْتَعِدُ وَلَهَا أَوْصَاهِ He has many different descriptions in Quran and Sunnah. And this is one of his descriptions. Allah ta'ala says, لَا يَصْلَاهَا إِلَّا الْأَشْقَى Don't enter it except الْأَشْقَى the one that has been destined to be wretched. Washaqawa is the opposite of the one who is in bliss or is in happiness. And Allah Ta'ala mentioned in Surah Hud, As for those who are wretched or destined to be wretched, they be in the hellfire. And this hellfire, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala mentions Zafir or Shaheer. You inhale and exhale violently. As for those who are destined to be happy, they'll be in Jannah. So there are people that are destined for the hellfire. And there are people that are destined for Jannah. They're destined for Al-Jannah. So for those who are destined for the hellfire, this is their result. A painful torment. A fire. And then after this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, or gives his description, the one who denies and turns away. khabar. It denies in terms of that which has been related. And it turns away. So he's a person that denies and turns away. And he turns away from what? The amr, the orders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the prohibitions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then after this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And the one who fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the most fearful of Allah azza wa jal, will not enter this hellfire. And his attributes is, And now this is the fourth question in the third mudu'ah. The result or the ending of those who follow the good path. That is the one that gives his wealth in order to purify himself. Because wealth, when you give it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it purifies you. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Take from their wealth a sadaqah, a charity. 
that purifies them وتزكيهم بها وصلي عليهم إن صلاتك سكن لهم سكن لهم Allah Ta'ala ordered the Prophet to take from the wealth a zakah which means to purify so the one who gives his wealth in order to purify himself and he said this was revealed concerning who? Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu الذي يؤتي ماله يتزكى ومال أحد عنده من نعمة تجدى and he's not doing so because somebody has doing, done him a favor or in return of a favor إلا ابتغاء وجه ربه الأعلى he's only doing so seeking the face of his Lord the Most High and that's why when the father Abu Bakr used to come to when he said Mushik Abu Quhafa he said why did you give this wealth to these people and he said to his father أريد ما أريد I only want that which I want and what does he want? the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in another narration. Because from the greatest thing a person could be given in Jannah is what? It's the safe place of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Which is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَجُوهٌ يَوْمَئِذٍ نَاظِرًا That some faces that day will be bright. إِلَىٰ رَبِّهَا نَاظِرًا Looking at their face of the Lord Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Which is why Allah azza wa mentions, لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا حُسْنَا For those who do well, they will get al-husna. And al-husna is al-jannah. But they will not only get husna, which is jannah, Allah Ta'ala said, وَالزِّيَادَ That which is more than jannah. So the Sahaba, radiallahu anhu, asked, what could be more than jannah? And the answer is, that which is more than jannah, النَّظَرْ إِلَى وَجِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى To look at the face of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. So when you give that sadaqah, always give it seeking the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Surah Al-Layl was revealed in this context, the struggle between truth and falsehood. And he gave examples of the path, <coughs> examples of those who follow the path of truth and what they did. Example of spending, fain Allahu azza wa jal, believing in the khabar of Allahu azza wa jal, and those who did the opposite. To show infaq is very important, spending, fain Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to know that this battle qa'ima exists and will continue to exist. Next week, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala, continue on the issue of persecution of the Prophet and the Sahaba. We're going to go into the sanctioning and the continuation of the persecution. Then after that, we're going to go into al-hijratul ula, the first hijrah. And where was the first hijrah to? Abyssinia. So we're going to talk about the hijrah to Abyssinia. And the efforts the Quraysh they took to go all the way to Abyssinia to try to bring it back, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. And after that, we're going to Suratul Al-Duha, which was revealed during this time because it was due to this sanction, this severe sanction, they say, that caused the death of who? Khadija radiallahu anha. So severe was that sanction that it was said that the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they used to boil their khuf. You know khuf? You know the leather socks? They used to boil it and try to eat that. Some of them, their lips and their bodies went green from just eating leaves, you know? So when you look, it was a very, 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 extremely severe sanction, you know? Severe sanction, you know? And then at that time as well, Khadija radiallahu anha passed away. The Prophet went to Ta'if, then Allah Ta'ala heard, Wadduha. So inshallah, two weeks, Seerah, in the next two weeks. I don't know if we'll finish by Ramadan. I doubt we're going to finish by Ramadan. But bi'idhnillahi ta'ala, we try to do what we can before Ramadan. Stop at a place which is logical, inshallah. Any questions?